makers of the board game Clue have announced that the game's next edition will be the first to feature a bathroom as a possible crime scene, and they're already being sued by Starbucks for copyright infringement. Mm, oh, yeah. Yes. And you know why the bathrooms look like, like that? It's not because the Starbucks customers are so messy. It's because the homeless people go in there and do their bathing. Yeah. And uh, Starbucks went way out of their way to make it uh, clear to everybody that that's an option. Uh, We are going to talk a little more about the whole homeless problem on the West Coast coming up. We're going to talk once again to Deborah Allen, the BART director we talked to yesterday. She got another little wrinkle on that whole thing that's kind of interesting. Right, right. West Coast bum explosion talk. So this is about politics, but it's not politics. Various higher-ups in the DNC... The Democratic National Committee are starting to say things about the whole Tulsi Gabbard, Russian asset, Bernie Sanders flap. That's funny. I'd forgotten about that story. So earlier when Marshall had New York Times reporting that, you know, people are talking to Hillary and Hillary's saying, you know, I might run if it looks like Biden's failing. I forgot the whole, how's she going to run now that she's starting to, to sound like a crazy person? When well, Matt Taibbi of the Rolling Stone says Hillary is nuts, yes, how is she, she going to run? Yeah, well, right. Well, when you're nuts, generally one of the signs of it is you don't realize you're nuts. I mean, oh, yeah. one of the right. if you're really that crazy, you got this former DNC staffer who I guess was a pretty big deal. He was the field director for the Democratic National Committee leading up to the 2016 election. So that's a he's a serious general. He's out now and proud on the record saying of Bernie defending Tulsi Gabbard, who Hillary had said was on Russian asset, whatever that means. He tweeted, and again, this is publicly, Bernie joins Trump and thousands of Russian bots in defending the person who blamed the U.S. instead of Assad for gassing his own people, not to mention his not-so-stellar voting record on Russian sanctions. Um, so Bernie, both Bernie and Tulsi are Russian tools. And then he tweets F Bernie and he spelled it out. I'd forgotten how much I despise that a H. Thanks for the reminder. Wow. Hmm. Wow. You know, I went to Tulsi's uh, website, uh, to, to dive a little deeper into her, her attitude towards Syria and Assad and the rest of it. And she has absolutely been tarred. You know, maybe you didn't like her going and meeting with Assad, but she is the Demo- perhaps the Democrats' most prominent non-interventionist. She's she- like the Rand Paul of the oh, Democrats. She has a very Rand Paulian attitude about, number one, these regime change wars are a bad idea. Number two, if we're going to do this stuff, Congress needs to vote on it. I agree with that. We should not be sending our young people into danger based on some vaguely concocted foreign policy goal. That involves taking out a dictator. Um, so Assad must go was the Obama uh, mantra for years. Right, uh, uh, right. Ian Bremmer talked about that on Friday with us. Yeah, and and she he she didn't, says he didn't go by the way. It would just be a, uh, a a power vacuum and greater chaos and bloodshed. Blah blah blah. I mean, she comes off like a wackadoo at times, honestly, on some topics, but. The DNC, well, the Democratic heavyweight establishment's dislike of hers, of her, is is becoming more and more clear. But she, but why is she even being mentioned at all? She's a one percenter. 
with no chance at the nomination, well, according to anybody. Because Hillary thinks that she's going to run third party and try to weaken the Democratic Party at the behest of Vlad Putin. And Hillary possibly cares about that because she's thinking about running again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if, if according to the New York Times, Hillary's telling people I might run, well, she didn't just think of that over the weekend. So she was thinking about that when she was on stage on, what was that, Thursday? Or on the podcast Thursday, mm-hmm. saying all this Russia asset crap yeah but so you know there's that division there's the whole um uh you know liz warren wants sex change surgery for illegals um and and that divide in the democratic party the whole trump tearing up the republican party thing that might just be the earliest wave of the major political parties starting to seriously choke on their own stupidity, which would make me very, very happy. So Trump has been given a speech, and the headline coming out of this, according to the news alerts I'm getting, Trump announces permanent ceasefire in Syria and will release Turkey from sanctions. Wow. So they've got their zone? I don't know what that means. It's a nice zone. We like our zone. That zone's enough. Is does that is that because Turkey got the land back that they wanted? Okay, we're done now. Yeah, we're perfectly fine with a ceasefire. This is the border now. Uh, yeah, that's probably the case. Yeah, I mean there may have been a little compromise. All right, we won't do the last two miles. We'll stop. <laughs> How can we resist? But the you? Kurds aren't allowed to come back. The hundreds of Correct. thousands of people that left that land, they can't come back. Right. Okay. Yeah. Turkey now controls it. Hmm. Such so we'll, is the world. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Is that our fight? That's the question. I don't know if you've ever noticed that part of the world's a little volatile. Um, oh, speaking of volatile parts of the world. So the uh, West Coast bomb explosion continues to plague humanity as progressive politics have led to a decay and crumbling of society with the help of some just truly ludicrous uh, appeals court decisions. There is a question of whether panhandlers will be allowed on the uh, mass transit and transit system of San Francisco Bay, the uh, BART system. And Deborah Allen, who's a BART director, was on our show yesterday talking about how there was going to be a meeting and she was going to pitch, look, we got to limit this. This is not right. Uh, riders hate it mostly. And so let's talk about it. Well, some powerful entities have come up against her. Uh, with some from rather strong and highly ironic attacks. We'll talk to Deborah Allen in seconds. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For instance, the latest wrinkle in impeachment that is, uh, or something Trump says and everybody reacts and how those are stories that don't have an effect on your life will be gone in three days and nobody will ever mention them again. Right. Or you got things you're dealing with every single day, which, you know, are things like health care or your kid's school, if you get kids in school, or the whole uh, homeless thing, depending on where you live. But for, for a lot of us, we run into the homeless situation every day yeah. in one way or another. Yep. It is a uh, material effect on your quality of life, and some of that occurs on public transit. There are some systems that are great. There are some that are dirty and disgusting and ugly and scary. 
Deborah Allen is a director in the Bay Area Rapid Transit District, BART, District 1, and has been trying to, this is an editorial comment, bring some common sense to the the uh, policies on panhandling and, and, and begging and, like, busking performers and who can do what where, and has been getting a hell of a lot of uh, uh, opposition. Deborah Allen, who we talked to yesterday, joins us once again. Hey, Deborah, thanks for coming back. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we understand that you're now in the sights of the ACLU, who are tweeting various nasty things about you trying to muzzle free speech at BART stations. What's the matter with you? Are you some sort of fascist? That was sarcastic. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, Yes, the ACLU got to you. We thought (laughs) they took you out. A whole range of names. Okay, so yeah, what's going on with this? Um, well, so I um, uh, I brought up the issue earlier in the summer of why does why do we allow the panhandling to go on on the trains among lots of other quality of life activities that we really should uh, start to control and. Um, we are having a meeting on Thursday, this uh, Thursday morning at 9 a.m. in Oakland. Our BART board meeting will consider this issue of um, can we ban panhandling on the trains or can we restrict it? And uh, the ACLU didn't like that very much, that I would even suggest that we consider this issue in a public meeting, in a public forum, and just talk about it. Yeah, they say this BART director wants to muzzle free speech at BART stations. Submit a comment by Thursday morning. Uh, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. What's I, hope the... all your, I hope all your listeners will also submit those comments to uh, board of directors at BART.gov. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should mention that again today, BART.gov, if you want to weigh in on this. But Joe, since he almost went to law school, what, what is the argument on panhandling being free speech? Well... You Well, you have the right to say virtually anything, as we all know, in the United States, including, would you give me $20, please? On the other, Isn't that harassing me on some level, though? Well, I'm not sure I want to get deep into that. It can be, but one one distinction is that, correct me if I'm wrong, it, what's, what's the status of BART trains in terms of being private property or or public? So um, there are different forms of public areas. We are a public agency. Um, the uh, under under the law, as I understand it, the um, areas outside of our fare gates are considered designated public space, meaning we can control a little bit of the activity that goes on there, but it's basically paid public space. But okay, and thereby the- you could you can fully exercise your First Amendment rights outside those gates. Yes. Go on. Yes. So once you walk through those gates, you pay a fare, or you're supposed to anyway, uh, you pay a fare to get in the gate, and you've now walked into what's considered non-public space. And there are five of the large, largest transit agencies in America actually restrict panhandling inside of their fare gates. And have built, pulled it off without legal challenge, apparently, or it being overturned anyway. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what, Go ahead. So ACLU um, uh, started out in August arguing that the case in the city of Sacramento, where the city tried to ban panhandling around the transit stops for your light rail, um, they first argued that that case applied and prohibited uh, us from doing this. Research 
from staff came back, and that's what will be presented on Thursday. And they said, no, that case really doesn't apply. That applies to truly public spaces. Now, right. and, see, this uh, is where lawyers make things worse. you got to get a bunch of non-lawyers together and say, panhandling doesn't count as free speech. And the lawyers would say, oh, shut up. Panhandling doesn't count as free speech. Where did you draw the line? On the other side of panhandling. Well, Done. We're done now. Let's move on with our lives. Well, if you reject Jack's shouting every man analysis of this and just stick with the law, the ACLU knows the law. They're just lying. That's who they've become. They're so crazy. They know the distinction that you just made, Deborah, between inside the gates and outside the gates. Their tweet is just disingenuous. Their their tweet was, was bad, but, you know, in the August meeting we had where they appeared, they followed that with a post and a letter that they sent, and they said this, Bart, and I think this is this is really the crux of the matter. They said, quote, Bart should provide resources to those in need as their policies indicate, not ban constitutionally protected free speech. The way I read that is they want us to give transit money to people in need and starve the people who need to use transit to get where they're going. So they want you to become some sort of quasi welfare organization. Well, this is something I battle on a lot of levels. Um, that that theme also enters into the homeless people on the trains. Um, and I have been known in public session to remind my fellow directors we are not a social a social. No, but I, I, I get their agency. argument. We have free lunches at schools for kids who declare they can't afford it. They got uh, free Wi-Fi at various places for people who can't afford it. Uh, so why not free uh, BART rides? For people who can't afford it. Yeah. That'd be a lovely thing to have to administrate, wouldn't it? Try to figure out declared right because you're not allowed to check. Well, yeah, how would you, Bart? How are you gonna what are you gonna go through the paperwork on every single person who rides (laughs) to figure out if they can afford to ride? Well, if you want to do another segment on that, I can tell you that's underway. It starts January first, twenty percent discounts for low income riders, and that's just a start. And what declares you a low income rider? Do you if you're on any public assistance program. Okay, oh, because fantastic. it's impossible to get signed up for those, even though you have a great deal <laughs> of money. There's a good circular argument. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, really, this is a battle of whose civil rights are more important. The person who pays to get on the train, to take the train where they're going, whether that's work or play or, or appointments, or the people who get on the trains to panhandle, to do things that are not related right. to, this, this is the argument to I, a destination. This is the argument I've been making, including in, at a city council meeting. At some point, you got to choose between the taxpaying citizens and the families who live and are doing their thing and the homeless people. And right now, you're choosing the homeless people. And that's what we've been doing for a while. One of them has to win the battle or be slightly ahead of the other. And so far, it's been the homeless people. Deborah Allen is the director for BART District 1 in the San Francisco Bay Area. And and I often use the term bums and junkies, uh, Deborah, when I'm talking about bums and junkies. I tend not to use the term the homeless because you're, uh, you know, you're, you're poor people who just caught a couple of bad breaks. They're trying hard in life, et cetera. They don't cause the problems. Those people aren't harassing commuters on BART. They're not shooting up in the park. They're not smashing windows downtown. They're not committing the crimes, clogging up the bike paths, etc. It's bums and junkies. So what the ACLU is, or who they're advocating for, is bums and junkies, in my opinion. And handlers. And, <laughs> well, right. And professional and beggars. They're not necessarily the same. Yeah, yeah beggars um, are not yeah, the homeless. The Gavin Newsom, for the love of God, pointed out, listen, a beggar is not a homeless person. It's a beggar. It's somebody that's who right. makes their money by begging. 
That's right. And most of these people who we see on our trains are not homeless people who are panhandling. They are, uh, you know, they come in various forms, entertainers. They drop you with a package of tissues. Uh, they may come along with a baby in their arms. It always seems to be sleeping with a sign that says, please give me money for whatever reason. Uh, Deborah Allen, a lone voice of sanity in the Bay Area there. Uh, Deborah, keep fighting the good fight and let's stay in touch. Well, thanks. I am from Sacramento, though, so hopefully that counts. A trans-regional uh, uh, presence. All right, Deborah, thanks. Panhandling doesn't count as free speech. I've declared it. No more conversation. Move on. There is, and, you know, sociology is a phony science, but I'm sure a sociologist could tell you that confronting you on a train, and that's what they're doing, even if they are smiling and friendly and non-threatening, is threatening in a social context. At the very least, you might feel uncomfortable. I will be seen as a bad person if I do not give this person money. So it is a confrontation, and it is an intimidation. However, how often is a person asking for money visibly drunk or high? 80% of the time? Yeah. Depending on where you are. So then, by definition, you're feeling a little threatened. Boot them off the train, period. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, President Trump talking about the Syrian ceasefire and the Hong Kong pro-democracy protesters' victory. Depending on my mood, I might want to talk about the return of the smoke-filled rooms, which is what we might need in America. Uh, decried for for so long, and I was in the group decrying them. Let the people decide. One of the few things I've changed my mind on in my life. Power I, to the people. No, no, no power to the people. Less power to the people. The people deserve a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump is saying Turkey has agreed to make the ceasefire on the Syrian-Turkish border permanent. He was speaking at the White House a little while ago. Trump announcing that U.S. sanctions against Turkey are being lifted. He reserved the right to reimpose the sanctions if necessary, and he defended his recent decision to withdraw U.S. troops from northern Syria. Troops, he says, had been there far too long. We were supposed to be there for 30 days. That was almost 10 years ago. So we're there for 30 days, and now we're leaving. It's supposed to be a very quick hit, and let's get out. And it was a quick hit, except they stayed for almost 10 years. Let someone else fight over this long, blood-stained sand. Whether you agree with that or not, the whole we send troops for a little while and they stay for everything is a problem. We do it all the time. Like any other government program, you can't kill the government program of protecting this little plot of land. Yeah, I heard the SecDef talking about that, the new guy, uh, who's an interesting fella. And Esper. Esper? Esper. 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 Sounds like an acronym for an organization, the European Spanish uh, Protection, (laughs) whatever. Um, But anyway, he he was talking about, hey, listen, we have some serious, serious challenges with China getting more and more aggressive and Russia getting more and more dangerous. We really need to seriously reassess all these 80 to 90 countries where we have troops guarding whatever little strip of land just because we said we would in 1963. And, uh, you know, no matter what you think of this particular one and the Kurds and the rest of it, I thought it was some really good, reasonable talk about making sure we're ready for the next challenge and not the last 27. 
Meanwhile, elsewhere on Capitol Hill, we got a senior Defense Department official who oversees Ukraine policy, answering questions behind closed doors as part of the House impeachment inquiry into the president. Laura Cooper, now appearing before the House panel conducting the investigation. Outside, more than two dozen Republican House members told a news conference uh, in the Capitol where the deposition was being held. They were saying, no, now it is time for us to find out what's going on inside those rooms. Representative Matt Gates among them. We're going to try to go in there and we're going to try to figure out what's going on on behalf of the millions of Americans that we represent that want to see this Congress working for them and not obsessed with attacking a president who we believe has not done anything to deserve impeachment. They Crash de- the gates! They decried the depositions behind the closed doors and said Americans should be able to read the transcripts of any interviews being carried out as part of impeachment. So uh, here's the argument, counter-argument. I heard a Democrats say, listen, we're doing with these depositions exactly what Kenneth Starr did. We're investigating. We're assembling the facts. He did that in secret or behind closed doors. That's all we're doing. And I thought that's a pretty compelling argument. It's a reasonable argument. Except that moments after every bit of testimony, key uh, sentences and paragraphs are leaked to all the mainstream media. So they're not doing it behind closed doors. They're doing it to manufacture headlines. Some of which may be accurate and worth hearing, but I'm not necessarily convinced that all of them are. So it's just, there's so much dishonesty going on. Hong Kong's government formally withdraws the unpopular extradition bill that sparked all those protests, which morphed into a broader campaign for democratic change in the semi-autonomous Chinese city. The security chief announced in the legislature that the bill, rather than being suspended, was being fully withdrawn. Hong Kong's leader proposed amendments to extradition legislation to resolve a murder case involving a man wanted in Taiwan. That's how all this began. That's what was at the base of all of this. Yeah, and this is probably just a head fake by yeah. the Chinese communists. Meanwhile, They'll keep marching forward. Meanwhile, you had demonstrators supporting Hong Kong pro-democracy protesters crashing the opening night party for the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. They passed out thousands of black T-shirts outside the arena in Toronto. Yes. The t-shirts had the North Stand with Hong Kong in bright yellow across the front. That's a play in the Raptors marketing slogan, We the North. The NBA, of course, a lot of favor with the Chinese government earlier this year over those tweets from the Houston GM. So the Toronto Raptors were the NBA champs last year because Clay Thompson got hurt, in my opinion. But has there ever been a champion where their best player left for another team? The year they won the championship? Has that happened? The year they won? No. Not that nothing jumps to mind. There's been yeah. cases of teams that have gone to the championship, lost, and their players left. Right. But I can't but think right of right after they won. Yeah, I can't the think best of a winner. player leave. I can't either on or in eSport, really. Um going to another team. But um uh who who do since the season started yesterday, who were the favorites to win? I was surprised to find out Golden State Warriors aren't in the mix, in your opinion. Uh, yeah, and uh, with more news coming out that it's unlikely Clay Thompson will play at all this I didn't season, know that. is, okay. is, yeah. is going to really, they're going to fight for a lot this year. Yeah. You can't um, lose two Hall of Famers and be the same team. But anyway. Uh, the Clippers, the team that Kawhi Leonard yeah. of the Raptors went to this year, they are the, the betting favorites to win the championship. Really? At, I did at, not know that. At plus 350, that means if you bet 100, you win 350 yeah. bucks. The Clippers. Uh, the Lakers are in second because they added Anthony Davis and LeBron James. 
Uh, the Bucks, Rockets, and the Sixers round out the top five. But the real this is the most wide open the NBA has been in a decade, in a long time. Yeah, and uh, and the, t- the two of the best teams are in, both in LA. So that'll be exciting. Um, I would bet neither one of those teams wins the championship. One last note: we do have a new study out that shows taking blood pressure medication before you go to bed may be more beneficial than doing it in the morning. Uh oh! Research published in the European Heart Journal looked at thousands of patients with high blood pressure, and it found that taking the medication so that it's working while the patient is sleeping overnight significantly reduced the risk of heart-related death and disease. That's what you're trying to avoid—that whole death thing. Yeah. That's right there at the uh, that's uh, top of the list. Yeah. Anyway, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Got some spider facts for you in the USA Today. They're doing a lot of uh, Halloween-related stuff. So this is the actual arachnid, not Spider-Man, the uh, the superhero? Truly scary spiders are far less common than humans who are scared of them. There are 43,000 known spider species. Wow. That's too many. A lot of different kinds of spiders. That's a lot, yeah. Fewer than 30 have ever been sighted in human deaths. Well, there's deaths, but what about, you know, they make your flesh rot off and you lose your eye and the rest of it? <laughs> Swell up like a cantaloupe. Yeah. The ones that just look right at me. Yeah. I hate that. And then about 3 to 6% of people on the planet suffer severe forms of, ara- of arachnophobia. 3 to 6%. Our um, uh, babysitter. Is uh has got that like the just like crumbles falls apart goes into freaking out seeing spiders terrible terrible situation mm. suppose you're just born with that that might be one of those genetic things we were talking about earlier you should go through that again that's what we should talk about next because that's damned interesting I wouldn't oh. mind hearing that again yeah okay sure the 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 the, the stuff that's just oh, I, gotta, genetic. I gotta pull it out of the garbage you put anything disgusting in there <laughs> I probably did oh no no I don't think I did but um. I find that stuff really, really interesting. Oh, yeah. We're learning way, way, way more stuff is genetic. Than yeah, that. the brief description was that a uh, gal and her son did the test and found out that, sure enough, yeah, he is predisposed to misophonia, hating the sounds other people make, specifically chewing and... And even more than smacking that. Smacking their lips. Genetically predisposed to prefer vanilla over chocolate ice cream. Yep. That's not even a choice you make. I love them both. Do we make any choices? Are we just just running out what our genes programmed us to do in our lives? I'd like to think we're making some choices. Well, I mean, I, number one, the, the nightmarish possibility is there's somebody else on Earth just like me. <laughs> well, and I might run into them. Having kids has certainly taken me a lot further down the road of we're kind of built a certain way sure. than I used to be. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah. God dang it, we might find out that there's just there's just a narrow band we control, whether it's you know, the shirt we put on, that's about it. Violence. Well, I don't know if you if you're genetically pre-programmed right. to choose vanilla ice cream over chocolate. Oh, right, right, right. Your your fashion sense might be. Right. I like green shirts more than purple shirts. Or, right. or I like well, stuff that stands out as opposed to stuff that's bland. Yeah. Jack appears to be uh, destined to pick out a pink shirt. I'm a, I'm a fancy man. I'm genetically <laughs> programmed to be a fancy man. Yeah. Your, uh, it's all buttoned how's your, up all nice. How's your grip strength there, uh, cowboy? Huh? <laughs> but how much, how much choice do we have in anything? I, I have a feeling that... You know, it's uh, you know it's funny, and I'm not the video game guy on the on the squad by any means, but you can pick out which car you want, like in uh, Super Mario Racing, whatever it's called. 
Um, and one car has got like a seven on maneuverability, but a nine on speed. I pick a 1985 Pontiac K car. Oh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work. It's like not that. in the Mario that's, extended that's universe. Not a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, these are like cars made out of turtle shells. So Can I get a PT cruiser? I think we all get certain strengths and deficits, and we can improve them or waste them to a certain by per- how much percent? That's what I to wonder. To a certain percentage, and and then nature or nurture your environment plays a role. Epigenetics, things that will happen genetically if this happens in your life and your environment. It's more complicated than just we're reading a script. But there's the key a fair thing amount. is there's it, the key thing is what you just brought up. What percentage can we change the stuff that we're built a certain way? Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to have them nailed down well, for me, and, my and, kids, for anybody. It's just interesting. And, and what do we do with it? I mean, if you came out of the womb wound up as tight as a watch spring, like my eldest kid and me, do you become an angry, violent criminal? Or, Not or, if your brain is predisposed to control anger to a certain level or or follow rules to a certain level. Could be environment, too. I don't know. Loving parents who help me deal with the fact that I'm wound up as tight, tight as a watch spring, as opposed to maybe a dad who just punched me every time I lost my head. That, back to the NBA, that's the Chris Rock joke of Steph Curry is just Allen Iverson with two parents. <laughs> that's, that's, that's commentary. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That, that might be true. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well Interesting the, stuff, though. I will tell you this about the human genome. The more we learn, the more humbling it is and and fascinating. But getting right down to, oh, yeah, you're genetically predetermined to like chocolate more than vanilla. It's kind of weird. It is. I do love the Rocky Road. Is marshmallows a genetic thing? You're predetermined <laughs> to sit down and eat an entire bowl of cookie dough. Mm. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it, honey. It's genetic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get it on. Let's get it on. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Saw that. When did they add a policy link to Hillary's website? That's recent. Oh, so New York Times out oh. with a story today that a lot of big time donors in the Democratic Party are not happy with their choices and are talking about Michael Bloomberg or Eric Holder or Hillary Clinton as possibly jumping into the race. Yeah. <laughs> I have an urge to throw something. And somebody claims that Hillary added a policy link to her official website. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but the other day I was listening to a podcast with Jonah Goldberg, prominent Republican thinker, writer, talker, and he was talking with a... An for- over poster of dog pictures online. <laughs> and he was talking with a guy, I don't remember his name, a prominent uh, Democrat, lifelong thinker, talker, writer. And they were talking about the state of the race and politics and everything like that. And it was one of those, you know, how podcasts get there like an hour, half long, and they get way into the weeds. And sometimes I'm into that and sometimes I'm not. But in this particular one, I was really into it. And they both agreed, as guys who are around 50, that the era of the smoke-filled room seems like a better idea. That is, prior to, they put the date on 1972 when we got away from the parties just going into a room bunch of smart, powerful people figuring out who the nominee was going to be coming out and announcing who the nominee was. Mm-hmm. And we moved toward, we'll let the people have more of a role and primaries and everything like that. 
And the and it seemed like a good idea, like a lot of things seem like a good idea. But what you ended up with is such an emphasis on personality. Personality becomes the overarching thing. Who's got the personality that and, and populism? Who's got the personality that grabs people and gets votes as opposed to the platform? And back in the day, each party had a platform, and that is what you cared about. That's what you knew. The candidate was just person the person carrying the platform forward. Mm-hmm. As uh, this Democratic strategist said, if you go to other countries, we're the only uh, country in the world with a democracy where where we do this, where we let the people pick the candidates like this. And in every the other candidates country, pick the platform, in effect. In effect. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely in effect. And in every other country, it's you, he said, you go to other countries and you talk politics, people can tell you, this the Labor Party, the whatever party in whatever country you're in, these are the things they believe in. Mm-hmm. These are the five things they believe in. And, oh, yeah, the candidate is the person carrying this stuff forward. Yeah. He said, I work for the DNC. I worked for the DNC for years. I have never read the Democratic platform. Because it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, it just it's not that, That's not a thing. I mean, we, we went to the convention. They have the first couple of days where they argue about that crap. Nobody pays any attention to it. No. It's nobody nothing cares when they're done. <laughs> yeah. Whoever ends up being the nominee, they will go forward with whatever they think. And in a, in a, in a moment's notice, they may declare this is important or that is important or whatever. Yeah. Like Barack Obama declared health care is important and got a, got, got, got a crowd response. That's yeah. how the whole health care thing had happened. It wasn't part of the platform. Yeah. And how we were better off when we knew what a party's platform was and we either supported it or we didn't. I, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, well, it should be more policy-driven than personality-driven. You could argue that a lot of the race now, a lot of the, the primary race, is about policy. And so it's, in effect, letting people vote on what the platform ought to be. The problem with that reasoning is that it has a lot to do with just having a winning personality and or promising crap that can never, ever happen. Yeah, I mean, it's just an That's how they got to the discussion. That's right. how they got to the discussion was the... Where we are now is both sides promise stuff that can never, ever happen, and that wouldn't happen if the parties had more power. Right. Right. Well, I I agree. Wouldn't happen as much. I agree. Plus, I think letting the primary voters decide, and primary voters are the most fired up, often radical members of your party, it's like letting your hottest-tempered friend decide every night at the bar whether you're going to get in a fight or not. They're just the wrong person to ask. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Appreciate that solemn moment there of reflection. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Is that a Tibetan, what you call it, bowl going in the the background? Very soothing. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. It's our esteemed newsman, Marshall Phillips. Boy, all I can say is go Nationals. Keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. That's right, you want to bet. Yeah, thanks for for the bacon, Marshall. You got it. Pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Uh, Yeah, next week is Halloween, so i got to get a bag of candy just in case I get trick-or-treaters. I have no idea whether I will or not, but we'll see. Positive Sean, a final thought? Please don't let Hillary Clinton run. Please don't let Hillary Clinton run. Please don't let Hillary Clinton run. <laughs> Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? More spider news. It's repeated often that you're never more than three feet away from a spider anywhere you are on Earth. That is completely uh, not true and started with sketchy beginnings, but has caught on and it gets repeated regularly in like... Uh, academic papers and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of like the straw thing. Right. What about the fact that they crave the moisture in your eyes and spend all night trying to get in? Is that true? (laughs) 
My final thought is I believe that the major political parties are bloated, hypocritical, self-serving tubs of muck. And therefore, anything that makes it tougher for them to continue doing that is a good thing. So, Hillary, get in. Hillary, get in. Hillary, get in. I hate you. (laughs) Wow. Chaos and ugliness. Yes. God, we've had some big news days in the last several years. She announces she's in. That's a big flipping news day right there. I will there. spend that day giggling. <laughs> the entire day giggling. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who thank so little time. Go to God get with him. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have our on-demand podcast or one more thing podcast. The Congresswoman in a throuple. The dirty, dirty, naked picture. Don't look at it. <laughs> Plus all the videos we played you. We got them for you. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on television and radio. Armstrong and Getty.